0: mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices message and data rates may apply bank of america and a member fdsc
1: it's time to take command with former
0: nfl tight end logan paulson and former commander's beat reporter craig hoffman welcome into take command i'm craig hoffman that is logan paulson and Logan, we have a very interesting podcast today. Uh, it's, it's our usual Wednesday pod. We're going to go back. We're going to talk about what we saw on tape when we watched the game. But uh, I actually got to watch some of the tape before we record for once, uh, which is nice. Outside of when you send me clips, which is always which is always nice, my phone just starts blowing up. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Logan's sending me film. Uh, but because the game was played on Saturday and we record on Tuesdays uh, for this Wednesday pod, uh, the extra day meant NFL Game Pass actually allowed me to, to dive into some of the tape and I think some of the things we thought uh, coming out of that game may not be true, mm-hmm. and I'm excited to talk about them, uh, and not not necessarily in a great way on uh, certain things. So I'm excited to, to get into this tape with you, see what you thought about it, and we will do obviously offense, defense, uh, and and the like. As we go, also going to kind of look at it through the lens offensively of what will we do in terms of building a game plan moving forward for this team, uh, presuming Carson Wentz is at quarterback. Uh, We will also let you know a thing that is always very fun in podcast land for those of you that are uh, listening on Wednesday. We recorded this uh, morning on Tuesday, so Ron Rivera has not spoken yet to the media. Uh, he is expected by all accounts to name Carson Wentz as a starting quarterback. I'm assuming we're going to operate, uh, under that premise, but Ron, as we're recording, this hasn't actually officially announced yet. Uh, and that press conference is about three hours from right now. So hopefully, uh, Logan, he doesn't say anything crazy because otherwise we're going to look very silly.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if he says something, he says something. And uh, you know, that's like, you always say like the podcast medium is a very specific thing and Does not do well with that type of stuff but we do do well with deep analysis stuff which is what we're gonna do today so
0: yes definitely uh there's nothing ron will say that will surprise us in terms of what happened on the film on saturday that is stuff that is done so logan uh high level thoughts as as we dive in uh to what you saw and and i'll give some as well uh the 37 to 20 loss in san francisco
1: so i guess like let's start with the offense what do you think yeah let's start
0: let's start with the offense We'll, we'll save the defense for later um, there's definitely some stuff to talk about there, but uh, I think I think the offense is what most people are interested in um, based off of how the game flow went.
1: Right. So the San Francisco defense, I thought, came out with a very like specific plan and it was to stop the run. Like if you look at um, pretty much every play, every snap they're in outside of the stuff that Carson Wentz was in on. And that kind of two minute end of half situation is they are in, you know, eight man, nine man boxes. They are plus one in the run game in all situations. They played a little bit of bare front, which is something they hadn't done. So, bear, for those of uh, you know, those people not super died, died in or dialed in on the lingo, is the centers covered? Both guards are covered. And it makes it really hard to get those kind of combinations you see on like duo or counter, right? Because everybody on the inside is covered up. And that's really why you're running those plays is to get those double teams on the inside. They didn't do a ton of it, but they ran more of it than they had in the last couple of weeks. So obviously a very clear vision of what it meant to kind of stop the run and how important it was for them to stop the run. And when you look at that, and when you see that kind of response from uh, from the defense, I think my, my main frustration is that if that is their response then offensively you need to do something to get them out of that and i think you know kind of just to juxtapose like kyle shanahan i think jack in the first half did a really really awesome job kind of getting in the Cinco package having uh Jamin and mayo and reeves in the box and they were just like you're not gonna run the football purdy you're gonna have to beat us and i think he did an excellent job of that at halftime kyle shannon comes out in 13 personnel that's three tight ends they use Kyle Ushik as like a fullback tight end hybrid. So that could be uh right could be twenty-two or, or it could be thirteen, 13 yeah, however right. you want to categorize yeah. that. But you're probably gonna run the ball of that and he throws two passes out of that to start the half. Um, that was the one to Ayuk and the one to Kittle. Then you can just see Jack get a little bit, a little bit of doubt comes into his play calling, right? He says, Okay, we got to get out of Cinco because in Cinco you're losing a coverage guy, right? You're you're bringing mm-hmm. an extra defensive lineman, and then the next play, next two plays, Kyle runs the football, right? and you're just like you could just tell jack was a little bit unsettled from a play calling standpoint couldn't get in a groove because you're subverting expectations so i look at this and i say all right well they came out on the first drive and they were playing eight man box you probably could have expected that why did you not come out kind of trying to subvert that expectation and it doesn't need to be crazy but like call a play pass or call a misdirection call some type of A pass where you're moving the pocket, you're helping the O-line with protection, and letting your receivers get down the field to kind of get them out of this heavy run structure. Because when they're in that heavy run structure, even if they are using safeties and nickel players, it's really hard for them to get out underneath the wide stuff. You know what I'm saying? Get underneath a comeback or a big out or something like that. So it's really, even if it's cover three, right, with uh, the safety in the middle of the field and the two corners deep, you can get kind of those big outs because there's no flat player because they're in the box stopping the run. So, I look at that and I say, okay, well, you know, maybe we called some more play action passive and open, we didn't call a play action pass. And so the 28th play of the game, think about that. It was the second quarter before you called a play action pass. You called a, a boot on the 25th play of the game, right? Which is a kind of like a keeper. You're moving the pocket. Taylor Heineke's rolling out. That was the completion of Jahan. Yeah. I just say to myself, like, so either we are in a heavy run formation to run the football or we spread out to pass. And so there was no like marrying of concepts. You know what I'm saying? It's not like, it, yes. there's no, no subversion of expectation. It's like, we're in we're in this, we're in 12 personnel. We're going to run duo. We're going to run counter. Okay. Now it's third and 10. We're going to get in 11 personnel. We're going to throw everybody out. We're going to try and throw the football. And I just was like, man, like that, that does not feel like a well thought out game. Interesting to compare that to what, the 49ers offense was doing, which was obviously they were a little flummoxed by what Jack Jack threw at him in the first half at seven points. Right. And then for them to come out in the second half and kind of say, all right, let's flip this on its head and start kind of getting into some different personnel groupings, get Jack off his game. And Jack did a pretty good job settling in after those first two drives. But basically they scored. 14 points on those two drives in the second half. Right. So it was right. 21, and then they got uh, some bad field. Yeah. They got some yeah, bad then, then, field position was, and,
0: and you know, field goal after field goal. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, like six drive or sorry, seven drives in the second half of the 49ers, they scored on six of them, but like some of those started in scoring position and ended in field goals. Those are wins for the defense.
1: Yeah. That was crazy. Cause like, I was like, you know, kind of charting it, just trying to get a feel for the game. Cause that's the thing you come out of it. And so you had a starting field position, um, of the 12 yard line, the 26 yard, and the 33 yard line, and all those were field goals. You know what I'm saying? Like it just it's it's crazy to think about. And then you had the uh the um the miss fourth down, and that gave them on the 35, they started that drive. So again, right. to to have all of those kind of difficult field positions uh, situations for the defense. I think we'll talk about that more when we're talking about the defense, but overall, <clears throat> I think Jack called a pretty good game and did a good job of keeping. The commanders in it but when you look offensively you say man there are some limitations here that are a little bit frustrating they're 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 frustrating to watch it's frustrating to kind of say man like you need to call a perfect game and and again to kind of defend the philosophy that scott brought to this game b rob wasn't running as downhill as i would have liked him in this game i didn't feel like yeah. he understood the sense of urgency like he he ran well but against this defense like, and how fast they are you need to get three like getting three is a win, and that yeah. needed to be emphasized to him throughout this week, right? You know. So yeah, I, that
0: actually leads me real quick. I'll just interject one thought here. Um, that leads me to my number one takeaway from the film that I watched. Fred Warner is freaking ridiculous. He's very good. That dude was everywhere, and he is like hole opened up and against most teams it's a hole and brian robinson's like hooray let's go and instead fred warner's there and part of that is what you're talking about with the play calling there's just too many dudes to block Like San Francisco's not only plus one in the run game, the one that they were able to keep free is Fred Warner, who's incredibly powerful, was able to meet Robinson in the hole and not get run over, uh, which is saying something because Robinson runs everybody over, he always falls forward, but the speed to get there and be on balance and like not try to tackle him from the side, but be able to take him head up, Robinson like kind of didn't know what to do with that, and mm-hmm. and it's one of the first times that I've went, I, I felt like Robinson looked like a rookie. Like he looked like a guy who's coming back from something earlier in the year, mm-hmm. but he looked like a rookie a little bit in this one just because he needed to just put his head down and bowl forward. And like, yeah, Fred Warner's in the hole. Try to run him over, fall forward get two yards, and instead he would try to dance. And you know, you're not going to dance with Fred Warner. He's a better dancer. Um, he's too fast. He's too quick. And there's just so many plays in this game where warner's i don't want to say single-handedly because there's like other people doing their jobs to set him up to do his but he's so good at what he does that he you know if you were to like pause it and like who makes the play it feels like he single-handedly ruined their offense but like you said there's a multitude of factors that lead to that starting with the actual play calls themselves and if you look at some of the bigger plays that washington had in that first half uh, when they couldn't get going and and then you know later on as the game goes you do get some of the misdirection you do get some of the boot like they they run one uh like fake handoff pitch play like misdirection pitch that gets them a nice oh, yeah. like six the, seven the, yard game in the first half the truck um, yeah mm-hmm. yeah and so like you do stuff like that and this is when we're talking about immediately after the game on saturday like where are the jet sweeps where's the misdirection where's that stuff you do that just often enough and maybe you can get Fred Warner to lean the wrong way or to second guess himself a little bit because when you come when when you come with a as predictable game plan as they did where it's like you, you pause the film pre-snap and you're like, they're probably going to run it here and San Francisco's lined up for it. There are no holes. Like these aren't good yeah. angles for the double teams. These aren't good angles for the individual blockers and you just go, this is not going to work and that's exactly what happened. It's exactly yeah. what happened.
1: Yeah. And I wish there was some like kind of magic pill, but like if that's run defense in the NFL is is pretty straightforward. If you're willing to allocate manpower, obviously there's this new age of thought where you get, you know, three really good interior players and they're able to kind of play a gap and a half and you're able to kind of be plus that way. The old school way of thought was saying, Hey man, we're going to just put more guys in the box and you can block. And that has been the prevailing, like the most effective way to stop the run. And I don't care how good you are. Like you know Tennessee, they see all they, they see more plus um, more eight man boxes than anybody else in the NFL. And right now, Derrick Henry has the like the least the, the least effective rushing efficiency like per block or whatever uh, in the NFL. And it's not because he's bad at football; it's because there are just more people to tackle him. There's more people to fit runs. Right. You make it a gap for everybody, right? And you out leverage the offensive line. I mean, that's that's essentially what Jack did in the first half of that game. Right. He just made sure, hey, we got one more than you. And Brock Purdy, like, you're going to have to beat us at some point. Like, that was the whole philosophy. And it was, and it was good. But at some point, like, Kyle's able to kind of say, hey, you've made this kind of embattlement. You've made this wall here. Let's now, now, happened?
0: David Mayo, go run with George Kittle.
1: Yeah. Go run with George Kittle or, um, or Derek know, Forrest, you go run with George Kittle. Let's flip the formations. Let's flip the yeah. personnels. Let's, and then you, Jack is starting to think and a little bit reactive to the personnel stuff. Which is what you want to do as a defensive coordinator. And then all of a sudden, there's some stuff that opens up, right? And I do think, again, we'll talk about this more with the defense, but I do think missing Cam Curl was a huge deal, right? Really, really big deal. And like two of the two of both of George's touchdowns, I think probably don't happen if Cam Curl's in the game. We'll talk about them more when we get there. But overall in the offense, I don't, and this isn't like the finishing thought or anything, but they did the, 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 the San Francisco game plan was very clear. And I, and I also want to point out that they did some cool stuff from like a cover three rotation standpoint. So like when they did bring the jet sweep, you're doing that to kind of hopefully move the linebackers basically say, you have to account for this. Here's a shuffle. Here's a delay. And what they did is they would just rock and roll their safeties with the jet sweep. So the linebackers in the front, no one had to adjust. So it was just like, we knew this was an issue for us. We're just going to be nice and stagnant in here and let the safeties, Adjust around the jet sweep action, and it worked really, really well. And also, the number, the safety for them, number twenty nine, is a very good football player. He was often the extra guy in the box for them. Um, yeah. He did an excellent job as well. So yeah, he's you know, going Fred, to the Pro Bowl for a reason. Yeah, Fred Warner's excellent. He did an excellent job. Although he did have bad eyes on the touchdown to Jahan, but I, I think that that, in conclusion, that was the thing that I found most frustrating is this: they presented to you they, their game plan on the first play of the game and they confirmed it with the second play of the game and your response was to say we're just going to continue to run into this and we're going to bring more people into the box and they're going to add one more person and we were always going to be minus one in the run game versus a front that's very good against the run anyway irrespective of plus one and there was no no effort seemingly to get out of that now to ron's credit you're in that game seven nothing at halftime, right? And even after yeah. they scored the second time or third time, it's fourteen to twenty-one. So you're still in it, right? So obviously this game plan has some merit, especially with the defense playing as well as they did. But the second you make a mistake, the second you falter, the second there's an issue, it it falls on its face.
0: You know, it's interesting you mention that and bring Ron into it because up until right now, literally right now, thinking about this in this moment, um, I was fine with like the fourth down going for it, all that kind of stuff. If that's your game plan, you have to punt there. Yeah. Like this is kind of, yeah. The one that they give the ball up at the 35. Like if you're going to play that style, you can't mix and match. And like, this is the problem is like, they decide they're going to do something and then they don't really fully commit to it. Or Mm there, there's just like a, uh, an ounce of like, Oh, well we still want to try this. And it's like, no, you have to. You have to have a cohesive plan. You can't play super conservative, and then when it comes to fourth down in your own, you know, in your own area, you're like. By the way, you're in like green zone there. Like yeah. it's not. It, you're at. You're inside the forty yard line.
1: Strike zone. Um, sure. Yeah, you're in that
0: strike zone. Like you can't decide. Then that's the time we're going to be aggressive. If You're going to play the. We're going to live with running it, keeping it close, and hope that Taylor can pull something out at the end. Game plan. Then do it. Mm-hmm. And, and so like, I don't mind the call to go for it. I hate the play call as we've right. we discussed it at length on, on Saturday, but you know, the, the lack of cohesion and kind of the lack of detail in the strategy, I think is a problem. And, and it goes to some of the more offensive specific stuff too, of like how they use their personnel. like, we've talked a lot, which is not exactly uh next level analysis right that they need to get Terry McLaurin the football more mm. right like how do you game plan touches for him how do you get the screens how do you get him on a reverse how do you get him on a jet sweep what whatever it is he's got to touch the ball more because when he does uh good things happen but also like how are you deploying your personnel otherwise why is Logan Thomas trying to block Nick Bosa multiple times in this game Like there's just certain stuff that if if I'm thinking, you know, if we, if we put it through the lens of like, what am I, what is my offensive game plan? I would be like, we're taking seven step drops out. We're not Mm -hmm. calling anything where Logan Thomas has to block Nick Bosa. Like it's one thing to chip, but like, I, and you'd have to tell me how much of the playbook this eliminates. And I understand like tight ends have to block certain things, but like, there's just some, there's just some weeks where you're just setting yourself up to fail like Mm -hmm. quit putting guys in situations that are not good for them and that idea would probably save you a lot of pain and Mm -hmm. and so many times plays get blown up because guys are not whether it's again you know hey we're not doing enough to to loosen them up and they're in the right front for this run play that's on a basic level some more like hey we can still execute it and get a couple yards and you know it's part of a larger plan you'll live with it but then there's kind of the next level of not setting up players to succeed which is requiring logan thomas to be a lead blocker on the regular basis when he's not that good at it or block nick bosa uh, when he's he's not uh, that good at it or setting leaving guys one-on-one in seven-step drops against Nick Bosa like there's just certain situations certain things that feel avoidable that the risk is not worth the reward and I don't feel like they're very good at that calculation
1: yeah you know and, and uh to kind of just flesh out that that idea a little bit more I do think Logan Thomas has like a fullback or like a sift locker does like he he's, he's competent in that area like he's maybe not you know the best fullback of all time or whatever but he's like, when you look at him and you say, as a blocker, like, what's he got? Like, he flatbacks a linebacker uh, later in the game off a counter. You know, like, he comes around mm-hmm. and pops some guy, and he's he's got good coil from the hips. He's not super consistent with his effort, but I think he's, like, if you're going to have him do something, that's it. The one that I find a little bit frustrating is you get in 13 personnel, um, which is three tight ends, and you line them all up to the left to run duo, which is a very common thing to do, because basically you kind of mess with how the defense has to gap it out. Um, and so at some point, someone's gonna have a one-on-one usually in that with Nick Bosa, right? Like that is not good. And if you wanna run duo, if you wanna run something like that, like there's other ways to do it, right? You can bring them across in motion, you can do all this stuff. And I think maybe after the first play of the game, they ran, uh, San Francisco ran a little bit of a line stunt.
0: Mm-hmm. And- That's something um, that Ron mentioned in the post game is like part of it was what San Francisco did. And let's let's also like, yeah. quick interjection, San Francisco's great. They, yeah. they mess up everybody's running game, however.
1: Yeah yeah and so and they didn't run it as much as i thought i remember leaving the game thinking yeah like you know they did that one time and then they only ended up doing it twice but i think it's enough to kind of put it in your head as a play caller to be mm-hmm. like okay now we have to account for this so the way to account for that is just say hey we're going to line these dudes up where they're supposed to be and they'll be able to handle the movement and the and the process of that is pretty sound right they'll just if they're going to stunt everyone's going to wash it down brian robinson's going to bounce it out he's going to be one-on-one with the corner that's what you want right And when you're scheming up runs game stuff But I I do think that you could have kind of been intuitive about it and said they didn't – they just did it the one time. They did the first play of the game, and then they didn't do it until like the third quarter. So obviously that wasn't like a huge part of their game plan, but I think it was smart by D'Amico to get that called early, Coach Ryan, because it's like it's in your head. So in that situation, you get Logan Thomas one-on-one with Nick Bosa on a play where he's got to like drive him off the ball and that stuff, and I will say, like, as far as grading that block, Logan does a like that's a passing block, right? for For that situation against that player, I give that a plus. You know what I'm saying? But sure. It's not, but it's, it's
0: not going to actually get you yards. Yes,
1: yeah, it's not what you want to live in. To your point, you don't want that matchup all the time. And on that run specifically, I do think that Logan Thomas did a good enough job where B Rob just says, you know, f them picks and just hits the a gap. <laughs> you probably get four yards. So again, that's where B Rob's kind of relationship to the blocker comes in because Logan Thomas does have inside hat placement on it. Now, is it bloody? Absolutely. But if B Rob just crams it in there, even if even if Bosa's on his legs, that's a three yard gain because the double teams did a great job creating movement. So there, that's again, we're kind of like your player, your stud, your guy that you're you know your horse that you've been riding this whole season. And B Rob didn't have the best game when it came to that type of stuff. And I really think he just didn't. He's a young player. And I don't think it didn't seem to me that anybody communicated to him the type of game this was going to be. Get downhill. Three yards against this defense is an absolute win. You cannot take right. a zero. You can't take a one. And there's there was a counter later in the game, or a power, excuse me. So a power is a little bit different. You're running it to a down tight end. You're kicking out with the tight end, and you're
0: bringing the guard around. As opposed i feel to, like they did that a lot by the way like they i did felt it more like more than they did it
1: more than they've done which is weird because they're not they don't like major in that run necessarily
0: right but it felt like they were pulling those guards a lot and it did not go well right like and they, so so they, this, the San francisco's this, defense is too fast they just ran around them
1: this is a perfect example so on that run everyone thinks you're pulling that guard to kind of run to the perimeter you're actually pulling that guard to hit the a gap And so because the double team on the on the play side three technique, the guy that lines up over the play side guard gets really good movement vertically. Right. And so there's a soft spot inside the pulling guard and off the double team. And for whatever reason, B-Rob kept trying to kind of push it to the B-gap as opposed to just cramming the A-gap, which, again, you're going to get three and a half, maybe four yards. But there is a crease there. It's not a big crease. It's probably about the size of my laptop. And, you know, B Rob is not, is a bigger guy than my laptop, obviously. But the I, whole idea there is that's a soft spot in the defense because you have your blocker on one side and your blocker on the other side. When you hit the crease, they're going to push that forward and you are get two more extra yards. And for whatever reason, he just did not, he didn't do that. He, that was not him. And if you think back to the Philly game, you think back to these games where we've been hyper, I don't want to say effective, but hyper, hyper, hyper efficient is the wrong word. Hyper effective is the correct word. He does stuff like that. He just finds the crease, crams it in there. It looks like a big rugby scrum. And all of a sudden you're like, man, that run was terrible, but it's a four-yard game. And right. that's that's the performance they needed from him. And, you know, Scott could have helped him out, like we just talked about, or the play calling could have helped him out, the philosophy could have helped him out. But I think B-Rob also, you know, who's been fantastic this year, and he didn't have a bad game, but it wasn't the right kind of game for this team, for this defense.